probably some of you, hopefully not as bad. But I said all that to say that I want to just share the story of Palm Sunday today, all right? And those of you that are all master biblical scholars in here, don't just turn me off. I'm going to tell you that we're going to talk about the story, all right? So, and listen to me, listen to me, because I believe God wants to, to, it wants to encourage you with something in your spirit or wants to tell you something. So, Palm Sunday, what is that? Well, this, if you really think about it, this is probably, well, it's not probably, this is the most important week in the history of all Christianity. I mean, ultimately, if you think what happened, I mean, if you see what happened, all right, Jesus ultimately died and chose to go on the cross for each and every one of us. So it's a pretty important week, right? But see, a lot of us, we don't even talk about these stories or these situations or what happened that set everything up to put us where we are today. So we're going to talk about that today. But the first thing, before we get going, I want you to realize, think about this for a second. Jesus was the Son of God, right? He came to earth and became the Son of Man, right? And He did all of that so we, as sons of men, could become sons of God. Now, how cool is that? I mean, if that doesn't make you want to just give Jesus a bear hug, I mean, really. And you know, I want you to, when I, when I go over all this, I want you to think about Scripture, and I love to do this. Think about it from the perspective that, and this is very true, but think about it from the perspective that this is just people. People in the Bible. People like you, like me, the only difference is the culture and the time they're living in. They still had to have jobs. They still had to have food. They still had to raise kids. They still had to, husbands and wives still had to live together. And, all, you know, they, they were people, just ordinary people. They had to believe God just like we have to believe God. See, too often we look at the Bible and we think that it's just, just a, a bunch of book of magic. And there's a lot of wonderful things that happen. But listen, those are just normal people. And, and when you get that understanding and you read your Bible, it comes a whole different, you, can, you view it in a whole different perspective. So it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So Palm Sunday, what is that? That's when we celebrate the triumphant entry into Jerusalem for Jesus, right? That's right. And it's the beginning of the Holy Week. And if you go on into studying, it's the end of Lent and this, that, and another. So basically, we celebrate a man named Jesus, who is God himself. He came to earth to live as a man. He lived a sinless life and willingly went to the cross. Willingly. Guys, have you ever seen Passion of Christ? Oh my gosh. Every time I watch that movie. And that's just what we believe, how intense it was. And it, it was intense. Every time I watch it, I still have tears in my eyes when it's over. But he willingly went to that cross to take on our sin and to die for us. He was our substitute. He was our substitute. So this coming Friday is what we refer to as Good Friday. So that's the day Jesus was crucified. All right. And you ever wonder why people call that good? Come on, you guys should know this. This is a trick question. It's good because of what he did. He went on that cross and he took our sin and he took our place and he paid our debts. And because of that, our sins are forgiven. And most importantly, I won't say most importantly, but very important, is we get that relationship with God. Now, here I go. I'm going to talk about the relationship with God. Oh, pastor's going to do this again. But that relationship is very important. You ever wonder why I repeat things like that? It's because the number one way to get people to remember it 
is repetition. Repetition. So I'm going to constantly remind you that you have a purpose. You have a value. You need to learn to see that value in yourself. You were created with that purpose, and only you can accomplish it. God's got a plan for you. You may think you're the goofiest thing that's walking this earth, but I'm telling you, God's got a plan for you. He made you that way because only you can do it, and you are because you have your own realm of influence. And it all starts with that relationship because you have to have your relationship with your heavenly father because you need to be so sensitive to his leading so sensitive just like Stephen going back into the song there at the end of the service i mean through the worship team for a loop but he was being sensitive to god's leading and the worship team's eyes was this big and that but you guys handled it great that's fantastic i remember when i was at rama we used to travel with the they do travel around the country doing crusades and and they would stay a week in a particular city doing me- uh, meetings every night. And I traveled with them to help set up and, and, and drove. The, they had a tour bus that the band uh, toured on, and, and I drove the bus. And so I got to spend a lot of time with the band, and it was always a joke because Pastor was so sensitive to the Spirit. I mean, it wouldn't be nothing. You'd be sitting there looking at 2,000 people, and he'd call me out of the back, just a student, say, hey, you got some, a word from God, come up here and share it. And I'd be like okay, you know, here we go. But they would do the worship band like that all the time, and it was always a joke after, oh, my gosh, I can't believe we made it through it. We did it, you know. But you guys handled it well. You guys handled it well. But look, that relationship's very important, very important. You need to be sensitive to God's leading because you need to be able to know when he's leading you to stop or go or whatever it is he wants you to do. Amen? Because there's an enemy out there that's what? Trying to take your feet out from under you. Trying to, he's trying to get you. And so then we go on into next Sunday, which we'll celebrate, which is Easter. And that's the resurrection of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Come on. That's fantastic. Now, I'm going to read this story, but I'm going to do something a little different. And I brought this. This is a storybook of the Bible. And you're probably thinking, oh, my gosh, pastor's going to read a storybook to us. Well, yes, I am. But this storybook was given to me. Uh, when I first came to Christ, a minister, he was about 92 years old when he put this in my hands. He was a, I consider him to be a master theologian. He, he studied and taught the Old Testament better than anybody I think I've ever been under and listened to. And he's gone on to be with the Lord now. But he gave me this book because I was new to Christ. And he said, he said, this is all new to you, isn't it? And I said, it is. I said, because when I first got saved, I picked up my Bible and I turned and I made it through two pages. And I was like, no, nah, no, nah, Jack, I don't get this. You know, this is not happening, you know. So he gave me this. And this is the, what's considered the most accurate story version of the Bible. So if any of you are new to Christ, or if you just want to read a fun book that takes the Bible and puts it into a story form that's very accurate, this is it. And I got a couple of versions because I give these out to people that are that are new to, to the things of Christ. So, so I'm going to read this story from this. And it's very, very accurate. And I'm not going to read the whole thing for the sake of time, but I want to read the important parts. And I'm going to start right here where it says... It says, on the morning after the supper at Bethany, Jesus called two of his disciples and said to them, go into the next village and at a place where two roads crossed, you will find a donkey tied and a colt with it. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says to you, why do you do this? Say, the Lord has need of them and they will let them go. They went to the place and found the donkey and the colt. And they were loosing them when the owner said, what are you doing untying the donkey? 
And they said, as Jesus told them to say, the Lord has need of it. Now, then the owner gave them the donkey and the colt to use of Jesus. Now, it's interesting here. They sent them, Jesus sent them to get the donkey and the colt, but which one did Jesus use? He used the colt. He didn't use the older. He used the new, unbroken colt. Why? What? <laughs> no, exactly, the stubborn one, that's right. But he did that for a purpose, because God wants the best for Jesus. And he's setting an example right there. So any time that we serve him, serve your family, serve your people, serve your wives, your children, your job, or whatever, give it your best. He wants the best for you. Anything you do, especially anything. And you ever wonder why churches have kind of a high standard of operation? It's, that's why, because the, God wants the best from you. Now, I'm not saying that I'm not doing this to poke you to give more money or do something else, but I want you to understand, have that attitude of giving the best that you can give. But anyway, all right, let's go. Little little rabbit trail. They brought him to Jesus on the Mount of Olives, and they, said, they laid some of their own clothes on the colt for a cushion and set Jesus upon it. Then all the disciples, a very great multitude, threw their garments upon the ground and Jesus to ride upon. Others cut down branches from trees and laid them on the ground. And as Jesus rode over the mountain toward Jerusalem, many walked before him, waving branches of palm trees. And they cried together, Blessed be the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. May the highest of God's blessings be upon the king. These things they said because they believed that Jesus the Christ, the anointed king, and they hoped that he would now set up his throne in Jerusalem. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd who do not believe in Jesus said to him, Master, stop your disciples. That's the religious leaders at the time. They feared him because of his teachings. They, even the religious leaders had heard unbelievable things come out of Jesus' mouth, and they were blown away. So they were, they were scared. They were afraid. And when he came, but Jesus said, I tell you that if these should be still, the very stones would cry out. And when he came into Jerusalem with all his multitude, all the city was filled with wonder. They said, Who is this? And the multitude answered, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus went into the temple and looked around it, but did not stay because it was hours late. And he went to Bethany and spent the night. These things took place on Sunday, the first day of the week. And that Sunday in this year is called Palm Sunday because of the palm branches which people carried before Jesus. Now, anybody... Maybe interested. I have a couple of copies of that. That's a fantastic book. I still read it today. I don't care if it's intended for 12-year-olds. It's a very simple read, and it's a lot of fun. It brings the, brings the Bible to life. But look, that story was a big deal, right? It was. As a matter of fact, this was the first time Jesus had been back to Jerusalem since his, he the beginning of his ministry. And it's interesting. I mean, everybody's there. They're all excited. I mean, he, they're crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. They were excited, right? And think about it. At this point, Jesus, his reputation was pretty, I mean, he was pretty good. I mean, they, they were under all this Roman oppression. But Jesus, it, it, they didn't have social media, but everybody had heard what all Jesus had done. So, I mean, they're, they're thinking pretty highly of Jesus at this point. I mean, he had healed the sick, he taught, he, he, uh, he multiplied food. And listen, just a week earlier, Lazarus was raised from the dead. And I mean, so he had, he, he had a pretty good rep, right? And so 
Because of the oppression that people were under, they wanted him. When they saw an answer, when they saw Jesus. How many of you know when you're going through things, you want an answer? You want to see a way out? Come on, we all sense it. We've all been through hard times. All right, so they wanted that. They wanted, and they saw that answer in Jesus. Now, Jerusalem was the most holy of cities, all right? And it, and it was Passover. All of this is significant. And that Passover is the feast of all feasts. And thousands of people come in to celebrate. So there's a lot of folks there, a lot of people there. And Jesus knew. He knew that he, ha- he had to get to Jerusalem. Why? Because he knew he had to fulfill his purpose. He had, that was going to fulfill his ministry right there when he got to Jerusalem. Everything that Jesus did was about moving to Jerusalem. If you study it out, and I'll put down some scriptures here. Luke 9.51 says, As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resoundly set out for Jerusalem. Luke 13.22, Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he went, always pressing toward Jerusalem. Luke 18.31-33 says, Taking the twelve disciples aside, Jesus said, Listen, we're going up to Jerusalem. So Jesus was spent his entire life moving toward Jerusalem. I was telling one friend of mine, I said, yeah, I said, you know why that was? And he's like, why is that? And I said, his internal compass was always leading him to Jerusalem. He said, yeah, you're just trying to get a plug for your church. I'm like, well, I like it. So anyway, worked good. <laughs> but listen, his mission, did you ever really think about what his, Jesus' mission was here on the earth? He was born to die. He was born to die. Think about that. He had to endure everything that he endured, and he knew it was coming. He knew, it, he knew when he rode into Jerusalem, and all the praises and the hosannas and the branches and all of that, he knew sitting on that donkey as he's coming in. Yeah, in a couple of days, you guys are going to be screaming, crucify me, crucify me. He knew all of that. But did he stop? No, he didn't stop. His love for us and to fulfill what God is telling him to do. His love was to, to sacrifice and willingly be the sacrifice to save each and every one of us. Man, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. All right, so where was Jesus' mission going to be fulfilled? It was in Jerusalem. That was everything that he did. His focus was on getting to Jerusalem. And, you know, we have a tendency to miss this when we talk about Easter too much because... As everything else, Easter has gotten commercialized. And, and there's so much focus on the baskets and the bunnies and the chocolates. And, and look, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying find the balance. It's okay to have fun have with your children, but don't miss the true story. Don't, please don't do that. Please don't do that. Now, this would have been an unbelievable, exciting time. It's a parade, all right? They would have been going nuts. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. They put their clothes and their blankets on the ground and, and the palm branches were waving. All of this was to welcome in the Son of God. All right? it was a, it, that would have been an act of honor. It would be like rolling out the red carpet today. Now, everybody would have... Exp- or they, they had an expectation when Jesus was coming in. What was the expectation? Really, when you study this out, they wanted him to come in and kick some Roman butt because of the oppression they were under. That's really what they wanted. All right, and they expected that. That's what Jesus was coming for. Jesus was coming to, 
to, to, he was coming to fix things. They were tired. They were sick. And, they, and they, Jesus' reputation, he, he's feeding the hungry. He's healing the sick. He's raising the dead. All right? He multiplied food. They were in fear. Jesus spoke and taught of peace. See, they saw so much in Jesus, and they believed, and they, and, and they, and they wanted him to be who he was. They expected it. They expected it. Now, Jesus went in, and he went straight to the temple, and he went in to check things out. And that's, that's important. And see, the temple was the center of Israel's worship, and it was thought of to be the dwelling place of God. Now, look with me at Mark eleven fifteen through 18. Mark eleven fifteen through 18. It says, So they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught, saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it into a den of thieves. And the scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him For they feared him because all the people were astonished at his teachings. Now, people had come from all over to celebrate Passover. So what did they need? They needed animals for the sacrifice, right? In the Old Testament, the covering for sin was the shedding of blood. And you had to have that. And that was done by sacrificing the animals. Of course, in the New Covenant, we're under now Jesus paid. He was the price. He was our sacrifice. All right, but people needed that. And so vendors, as with anybody that wants to make money, they took advantage of this situation and said, hey, we can make money here. Let's sell. We'll, we'll cage up some little sacrificial animals and we'll sell them. All right? And so this is what they did. They did that, and eventually it turned into a business. And there's a lot more into this. I'm, I'm paraphrasing it all, but they, they were charging people just crazy rates and fees and ripping people off. And let me tell you something. This was the temple, the dwelling place of God. And this was anything but holy or respectable. And so when Jesus went in, he said, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. And it's really interesting. If you look at verse 16, people were actually using the temple as a cut through. It says, and he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple, household goods through the temple. This was all this chaos was going on when people were trying to worship. Can you imagine trying to worship God with all this money changing and selling and all this going on? Oh, it'd be crazy. But Jesus fixed it, right? He came in and he removed all the distractions. And let me say this about that. You hear a lot of people teach about how... A lot of people refer to this when, you, when they ask questions, when they don't know a lot about uh, scripture and, and, and about Jesus, and, and they always say, well, Jesus was an uncontrollable, angry man. I saw it in this story, and they're referring to this. But listen, what Jesus was doing there was an act out of passion for the temple of God. He didn't go in and just blatantly start punching people in the face, but he went in and cleaned house as any of you would do in your own house. Right? That's what he did. And if you look at verse 15 and 16, if you read it out of the Amplified, I love this. It says, 
Then they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple grounds and began driving out with force the people who were selling and buying animals for sacrifice in the temple area and overturned the tables of the money changers who made profit from exchanging foreign money for temple coinage in the seats of those who were selling doves, and he would not permit anyone to carry merchandise or household goods through the temple grounds using the temple area irreverently as a shortcut. So, Listen, Jesus is not an angry, angry God, all right? He was a man that went in there, and he saw that the, how the, the irreverency for the temple, that was the place where you went to worship. And, and you know, we need to learn to, to try to keep that atmosphere in our churches because it's important. It's important. This place is a place of worship. This is a place where people come hurting and they need some reviving. They need some healing, whatever they're dealing with. And they need to be able to come here. And this is why you don't want to just take and make a mockery of any church. All right? You don't want to do that. This is, and, and you want to hold the standard high at church. You really do. You really do. All right. So now Jesus has come into town. He came in through the parade and he went straight to the temple. That's very symbolic. And let me say this. It's easy for us to cheer and to praise God and praise Jesus. And we're waving branches and all that when we're hurting. And we're wanting to, we're seeing just like they did. We want you, come on, come on, come on, come fix this. Come fix this problem. Come fix this. I want you to fix this. But listen, when we do that, and we, that's where we stop. In other words, we only want Jesus to come in in that situation. We're only inviting half of Jesus into our lives. And that is very, very, very dangerous. Listen, you've got to remember, Jesus wants to go to the inner parts of our lives, straighten us out. Listen, I've been through it. I needed him to come in and straighten me out, all right? He wants to come in, change some attitudes, change some motives, get rid of some junk, Change some lifestyles, change some standards, all of this. You've got to understand, you've got to be willing to let him come in and do this. He wants, and he, he wants to help us see our blind spots and anywhere we may need to make adjustments. And listen, that's hard for people to accept. Because so many people today can't say that I can control this. I need God on Sunday, but I can control this. But let me tell you something. You need God all the time, all the time, all the time. Amen. You need to be, you need to be praising Him and laying, waving palm branches, right, for the Savior Jesus as well as the Lord Jesus, the Lord of your life, Lord of your life. You need Him as friend Jesus as well as you do King Jesus. Listen, that's very important, very important. But look, everybody around Jesus on the day when He's coming in, they had no idea what was going on. They didn't understand the significance of the day. It, it, they just knew that this was a parade in town. And there, the Savior was coming in. That's all they knew. But for Jesus, that day signified something else, didn't it? It did. It signified certain death. And he knew it. He knew it. It wasn't quick. It was excruciating. It was probably the most horrible death 
imaginable. I, I, I did a study on what, it, what the whole purpose in, of a crucifixion, and there's a science to how they do this. And it's, it's designed the way you, when you're nailed to the cross, and the way you breathe, in order to breathe like that, you have to push up with your feet. But then when you push up with your feet, the excruciating pain that's there, and then you try to pull with your hands so you can breathe, and then the excruciating pain, it's just, it's unimaginable what the pain and suffering that he went through on that cross. But all of that was used to cause shame in public. It was just total humiliation. I like one, one, one friend of mine, he says, when he preaches, he says, it's just overkill. And that's simply what it was. It was overkill. Overkill. Luke 18, 31 through 33 again says, Taking the twelve disciples aside, Jesus said, Listen, we're going up to Jerusalem where all the predictions of the prophets concerning the Son of Man will come true. He will be handed over to the Romans. He will be mocked, treated shamefully, and spit upon. They will flog him and whip him and kill him. But on the third day, he will rise again. Oh, glory to God. That's fantastic. And that brings me to the next step here. And that's the cross. And this isn't something, this is something that we don't really talk about a lot anymore. But listen, the cross signifies so much. It signifies who he was, but ultimately what he did. Amen. He died for you and he died for me. And you've probably heard that a thousand times, but really think about that. Let that sink in. He died for all of our sins because we are sin. We are sinners. Come on. We're sinners, we're human, we're not perfect, but he chose willingly to pay that ultimate price and be our substitute and suffer so that we didn't have to. He was our advocate. Amen. And from a legal standpoint, you can say, I put on the corner, he says, the case against us has been dismissed. That's right. All charges against me are gone. You're set free. You're free to go. That's simply the way it is, the way it was put. So this week, I want to encourage you. As Good Friday gets here, Friday's the day he was crucified, think about him this week. Now, as Stephen was saying, press in. Really think about him. Set some things aside that you're going through in the week. Don't focus on the craziness. Take time to just think about Jesus this week. Express all the gratitude that you can. Because, listen, no matter how bad your life is, he's brought you through to get you where you are. And there's more. There's more for you. Because he has a plan for each and every one of you. And then of course next week is Easter. And he becomes the risen Savior. Well on that day we want to welcome him. And honor him. Now it's the Holy Week. The beginning of the Holy Week. And now we know that he died. But he didn't stay there. And he rose again. Really think about that this week. When you're praying when you're studying, and just learn to be completely grateful for everything that he did in your life. And then be willing to take that and express it to people you know. See, we're all called to impact people's lives for the kingdom of God. Everybody. You know, it can't just be Pastor Allen going to ask people to accept Christ. It has to be all of us. All of us. So seize those opportunities. I'm going to tell you, I'm doing a pretty hard study on end times right now. And it's very difficult. And I don't want to, I've told you this many times, I'm not going to be a doom and gloom preacher. But when you study that and you see what's coming, man, the urgency for Christ 
is not in this world anymore, and it needs to be, because there's some stuff ahead coming ahead. We're in some tough times. We're in some tough times. So think about that when you see your friends at work, maybe family members, maybe neighbors. Think about that. And take the time to encourage them to come be with us on Easter. Because those are, you know, well, you want to do it any time, not just Easter. But as Stephen said, Easter is one of those days that people think about, hey, I need to go to church. Hey, I've got some things wrong in my life. I need to straighten some things out. And we want to capitalize on that opportunity. We want to seize it. We want to see people accept Christ and begin to start walking in their Christian walk. And begin to live a life that is reverent of God and that sets the example to everybody around them so they can again share the message to them and then just start snowballing. Then that person begins to share the message to someone else. Listen, it's about bringing people to Christ. It's what church is all about. Amen. Well, glory to God. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for... The wonderful, wonderful week it's been. I thank you for the fact that everybody's here, even though the, the weather gave us a little hiccup this morning, Lord. And we just praise you for safety. And I pray that each and every person that has any part to do with Compass Church, Lord, I pray that their lives are unaffected and unchanged by the weather. And, Lord, as we go from here, I pray for protection over my entire church family, Lord. And, Father, I pray now, I can, again, for Michelle and Jordan and Tony and Hampton, and Lord, I in Keith, he didn't have bullets in his pocket in London. So, Lord, I lift them up, Lord, seriously. You have a plan for us there, and we, we just want some clarity there. And I'm praying for that, and I'm, I know that you'll reveal it. And, Father, I pray that as, as everybody's sitting here, anybody in this congregation, if, if anybody's hurting in my church family, Father, I pray that they'll come to me, and we can talk about it, and we can pray about it, Father. And Father, we just give you all the praise for everything that you're doing and everything that you're going to do. And Father, I continue to pray safety over the team in Africa. And Father, I also pray safety over Mike Bell. He'll be flying back, I believe, this week. And Lord, he's been, in, he's been overseas, I think, in Germany for about three weeks. And we pray for him. I pray safety over him, safe travels, Lord. We want, we want to see our family back here in time for... For next Sunday, Lord. And we just give you all the praise and all the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.